0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au
1: Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar
0: 2022 semi-finals. All thanks to McDonald's Makers, together and loving it TNCs apply Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day Don't miss out on the little moments Because the little things are everything
1: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, My guest uh, in this episode is an absolute superstar of Australian sport. Uh, She first jumped in the pool uh, when she was about six years old and has not looked back. Uh, Since then, she has won uh, a number of Paralympic gold medals, nine in total, as well as set uh, world records Uh, and other achievements along the way. Since uh, retiring from competitive swimming, uh, she's been a great advocate and fundraiser uh, for Paralympians uh, in Paralympic pursuits uh, of all kinds, not just uh, in the pool, uh, and also been a great advocate uh, just for disability participation across all uh, levels of society. So it's with great pleasure I say hello and welcome to Priya Cooper. Hello, Priya. Tim, how are you? O-A-M, I should (laughs) add. O-A-M.
2: And... P-L-Y. What's that? That's the newest one. Um, P-L-Y. So the Olympians can get O-L-Y, Ollie. Yeah. And now Paralympians can get P-L-Y.
1: Right. There you why. go.
2: But, so, yeah, so another few letters to add to your name. Know, yeah, so it's just making It's getting sure. longer and longer. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure my husband just makes so <laughs>
1: just to add to his name
2: because,
1: you know. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> How are you going?
2: Really good. Yeah? Yeah, really well. Really well. Busy. Yeah. As everyone is, but... Um, for me, you know, this current environment we're living in hasn't really changed too much for me because I'm on various boards and we've been able to keep doing everything virtually, um, which has been quite handy when you can sort of keep your rug boots on and still be in a yeah. meeting. Um, but the public speaking, you know, has dropped off or had dropped off and it's just starting to come back. Yeah, and I was just in Broome last week for the Chamber of Commerce and it was just so much fun to be able to back Speaking with people. With actual or,
1: humans in the room.
2: With actual humans. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> so, How quite. so, yeah, life's life's great.
1: When was the last time you got in the pool? Mm. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't mean to guilt you. <laughs> no, I'm
2: guilty now. No, I haven't been in for a while. We, we started preparing for the port to pub swim, actually. Um, we were going to do it in a team. And that was right before COVID hit. Right. And so then that swim got cancelled and I'm petrified of the ocean.
1: I, I read that about you. You had this terrible fear of, of the open ocean, didn't you? But I, of course, as you do, you conquered that by doing the rottenness swim.
2: <laughs> I did. I did. I, I forced myself into it. I was like, okay, I'm going to raise money for charity so that if I yeah. get to the water and I feel like I can't do it, I have to do it. Um, it was oh, it was just a mammoth day. Yeah. I swam about... Five hundred meters out. My mum's on the shore, just like waving at me, going, "I hope you don't die." And I swam five hundred meters out, got a cramp in my leg, <laughs> and went, "This is going to be an extremely long day." <laughs> but I made it, and you it was made it. yeah, and it was pretty good. But I
1: but you still have your fear.
2: I am so afraid. I won't even really go in really like, up to here. Is that
1: right?
0: Yeah,
2: so. and yet
1: you've got. Trophy cabinet full of swimming medals and know, trophies at home.
2: I could. I actually love swimming in the ocean and yeah. the actual physicalness of the actual swimming. Yeah, but it's the fear of what's in there. Like I'm so scared wow. of sharks. You've like, watched
1: too many movies. I, yeah, or, or I, I news get, bulletins. No, I get. <laughs>
2: Actually, when I was swimming, I get the durnit, durn it in my head, and I'm going,
1: stop it.
2: <laughs> and so I try to swim, make sure I swim next to somebody yep. so that if anything goes on, I can come maybe bump them in the way or
1: something. Feed them to the shark yeah. first. <laughs> well, let's go back to, uh, you know, when you first got in the pool. I understand it was your dad who encouraged you to, to jump in the backyard pool yeah, was- uh, at the age of six. Um, and just, just to clarify for people, so you have cerebral palsy. Yeah. Can you, just for those who don't fully understand what it is, can you just tell us what is CP?
2: CP is a really diverse disability and can come with a lot of different degrees of cerebral palsy, which I found out years later. Um, mine just affects my legs. So I've got no hand involvement, no, nothing else affected. Um, but you can have um, you know, various other um, parts of your body that are affected speech, you know, different parts. So that's all that affects me. So I, and I could walk, I could get around you know, I'm pretty mobile and I was mm. very, very fit, obviously, back then. Um, so I didn't actually have a wheelchair until I was in year nine when I was more doing competitive swimming. And they said, oh, because right. it took, takes a lot of energy for me to walk, even when I was young. Um, so they were like, conserve your energy for when you're swimming and, you know, grab yourself a chair. And then, so now I've got my chair and it's much easier Yeah. Um, as I've got older. But when I- What was it um, like
1: though as a teenager having to- Take on the chair.
2: Well, it's really interesting and I'm I actually had no problem with it. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. I I didn't have it very often. I didn't use it very often unless it was long distances and yep. and things. So I'd walk around school and you know
1: Okay, so you didn't have it at school? I didn't
2: have it at school. Yep. Um I had an operation at a few points, so I had to have it. It never, ever bothered me. But having a disability has never, ever really bothered me. Like, yep. there's been times where you mm. go, hmm. This is a bit of hard work, like once we had the kids. Um, but it's an interesting factor because I now have Harry who's 14 and we found out when he was born that we've got a hereditary form of CP mm-hmm. and he's got a very different outlook than I do. I don't know whether it's a boy um, outlook, but he's got a very different outlook, so um, that that's it made me really reflect on how I was as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, there was elements that I didn't like. Um, I used to have to wear AFOs, so splints on my legs. And um, this lady ran into me a couple of years ago and she said, I can remember you were up at Sturt Park up in the hills because that's where I grew up. Yeah. And we were at a festival and you took your splints off because you had your splints on when we first saw you and then when we saw you later on they weren't on. And I'd put them in a bin. I <laughs> Really, I'd actually put them in a bin, and I thought I was going to get away with that for some reason. <laughs> so they had to go hunting around.
1: Wow, I, witnesses to the to the act yeah, all those years later. I late, obviously
2: but... disliked them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you must have done. Um, and, and jumping in the pool as you know, as a six year old, and being you know encouraged to do that. Uh, did, did you um, did you take to it straight away? Obviously, you became extremely good at it. Um, were you one of those kids that just was, was just so at home in the water?
2: Yeah, I was, I was. It was probably both my parents that, uh, well, we just had a backyard pool, so I don't know know, how much encouragement, but we had a a backyard pool and it was what you did. Mm. It was just such a part of our life that you would be in the pool all the time. And when I'm on, when I was on land, I'd find, you know, I'd find it hard to, to do things, but once I'm in water, it changes everything. And so, and then I just really embraced the whole, the the culture, I'm a 1974 74 baby. Um, and so the culture back then with the, with the Kalamunda pool had the slides and, and that was where. we was wet and wild. Yeah, wet and wild. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
2: there was really nothing else. There was wet and wild and the roller rink.
1: Yeah. And, I remember them. Well, that's my old stomping is crowd. Is it so. true? Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so that, that was all we had. Yeah. And. I just so I gravitated because I did roller skating, but it was clearly not my favourite. But um, I gravitated towards the Calamunda pool and would just spend hours. It was such a cold pool,
1: freezing, oh
2: freezing, and we just spent hours and hours and hours. So it just and then when, once I started school, the swimming carnivals we had swimming carnivals, and that was the kind of thing that I could really get involved with. Mm. And my teachers were very encouraging of you know, getting me in, getting me participating. So I joined the, you know, the the swim. We had this tiny little 25-meter pool at that point at the school and I joined the swimming squad. So I'd go in the morning, do the, you know. Yeah. And, and I just enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. When was the first time that uh, that you were told that you had a disability? Do you remember that?
2: Uh, mm, I was diagnosed at 12 months, but obviously I wouldn't have understood that. Yeah. I think it was probably, um, just as a, as a young, probably about two or so, two and a half, I had to have my first operation right. um, at PMH. And so then I was in casts for, you know, the six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was. And it was probably then, cause I, I can actually remember, um, there was a photo of me with other people in it and I'd scribbled all over myself <laughs> cause I was like, yeah, I'm not happy with that. <laughs> Clearly I wasn't happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I can, I guess I sort of sensed it then that, okay, these are things I have to do differently. And i the amount of times I'd be at PMH for mm. appointments and physio and there was all this other It
1: became st- part of your life. Yeah. Like yeah. This, there was
2: all this other stuff that I had to deal with and do on top of being at school or, or whatever. Yeah. But it, again, I, I just kind of, I really do think I just kind of took it in my stride and went, oh, well, that's what you've got to do and tried to think of the, the positives, I suppose. Yeah, of it, and I was surrounded by really good friends and
1: yeah, um, yeah, yeah, good people up in the hills.
2: Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, Mum
1: and Dad very encouraging as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, they came to all, all my games.
1: Yeah,
2: um, they were always there, and yeah, they came to Sydney as well. So that was a really important thing for me, especially because I was so young when I first started. That having them, knowing that they're there, and I, mm. I'd always, I'd walk out on pool deck, and I'd always make sure that I could see you yeah, know, where they are, and I could always hear my mum screaming because it was quite distinct, but I, I would always make sure I know where they are, and then I felt quite safe because yep. the nerves could really yeah. do you in.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I can only yeah. imagine. I can't relate, and, but I can imagine. Yeah.
2: But, and, <laughs> but but neither of them have any clue about swimming, so it's actually <laughs> re- right. a, really quite funny Um, so yeah, I'm not, I was not seeking advice at all from either.
0: Yeah. Um, my mum can breast straight
2: with her head above the water. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we should survive in, in, you know, in water. But, um, but so I was lucky enough to, um, growing up in the hills, I went down to Mater Vale to, to train, um, and got sort of into that whole club atmosphere and it really suited me. It Mm. really gave me like a, a hobby, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Well, your hobby went to uh, the next level uh, at the age of 17. You made your Paralympic debut uh, at the 1992 Paralympics in Barcelona. I'll get you to tell us all about that right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Priya Cooper, O-A-M-P-L-Y, is our special guest in this episode. Back with more after this.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. My special guest in this episode is a nine-time Paralympic gold medal winner uh, and countless other achievements as well. We'll get through as many as we can in the next little while. Priya Cooper uh, is our special guest. Priya, you were only 17 when you made your Paralympic debut. That's a lot to take on as a 17-year-old. Most people are wondering about, you know, teenage things, Getting their license, what they're going to do after school. Absolutely. And you're in Barcelona at a Paralympic Summer Games.
2: Well, now having a 16 year old that turns 17 in December this year, so this year I go, you, I was your age. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what was I thinking? But it was, I didn't even know where Barcelona was, which is terrible for my geography teachers. But um, <laughs> I just, I just kind of went with the flow. I got introduced, so I was swimming with the school yep. uh, and that was part, of, like, a huge part of my life. And then one of the sports teachers, um, and then Ian Brown, who's an Olympian, he was uh, teaching at the school mm-hmm. for a while. And so he started coming down and working with the swimming squads and stuff like that. And then it, it, a teacher actually said to me, you know, why don't you try out for swimming for people with disabilities? And this is... No word of a lie, because I didn't know anybody else with a disability, really. Yeah. And I sort of went, I, I don't think I'll fit in, you know. And they kind of nudged me. And I kind of went and fa- I met um, Phil Joes, Kerry Smith, who ran one um, cerebral palsy swimming group. And then I met Frank Ponta, who is an absolute legend of the sport, of of, dis- of disability sport, and he was running the swimming for what, what is, was called Wheelchair Sports WA at that point. And I kind of joined both groups and I was like, oh, there's a lot of people and there's a lot to do. So I was just enjoying it, doing the training. And then it came to competitions. And so I went, I went into all these different competitions. And then they were kind of looking at my times and going, well, well you're actually, you're pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> like actually, you could make um, the Paralympic Games. And I'm, I'm kind of going, what's that? Because back then, it was no, I didn't know what it was, and they kind, I kind of, you couldn't Google back then, could you? No. Uh, So they told me about this games. You know, it would be in Spain, and this is what we'll do. And I really do. Now that I've um, kind of thought about it over the years, I just went with it. Yeah. I just. My mum actually said to them, you know, don't let's not get her hopes up here, Um, but. They were insistent and I kind of went with it. And before you know it, like I'd been training for years, but just with my able-bodied squads and stuff. Um, but then before I knew it, I was on this plane and I was off to Barcelona. Incredible. Not even knowing what to expect, but every, but I was at this point in my times, I suppose, where people were going, actually, you could do really well here.
1: And, and you did. And I did. But Three the, gold, two silver. Two silver, but the two silver were silver first. World records. And yep. I was
2: against the same German chick in every single race.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I knew that she beat me twice, and I'm going, like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. Aren't I meant to win gold? <laughs> and and she was and she was really really well known. And um, she was she was very very old. She was 24. Right. And I thought you really probably should be retired, but. <laughs> I was this little skinny upstart that you know didn't even know what she was doing, but she ended up being a really, really lovely, lovely lady. She did retire after that, actually, but she ended up being a real, um, really amazing lady to learn things off, Mm. which was which was really good because I knew nothing. Mm. I kind of walked into the eating hall and went wow, there's a lot of people in here with disabilities of varying degrees. And I just hadn't been exposed to it at that point in my life. So What
1: a, what an initial exposure for you then. Um, I understand even just getting there though was a, a mission in terms of funding and, and whatnot. What was it like, you know, in the early 90s, being part of a Paralympic team in, in Australia, like, you know, compared to now where the recognition is so much more, like, what was it like back it at was, that time?
2: So you had to do... You had to do a lot of, um, it, we were basically rattling tins.
1: So you're doing your own We're doing just our own fundraising, own fundraising just to get there.
2: paying for our own stuff. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough from quite early that I got an um, AIS scholarship. So I sort of did have a bit of help, which was nice, and a few a few little sponsors. But the knowledge of Paralympic sport and, and what it was was just not, it was just not there. By yep. 96, it was another level.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. But before Barcelona, yeah, it was going to the local Rotary clubs and, and seeing if they can, you know, sponsor. And I probably wasn't exposed to as much of the bigger sponsoring that happened because I'm just, you know, this young kid who's doing yep. swimming. Um, but the people that were in the organisations that, that really fought for it. Yeah. And some of them that the only reason that they were fighting for it was because their kids were also on the team.
1: Yeah.
2: Was it was really that... Uh, kind of feel, and I, I suppose a bit like um, Disability Services Commission back in the day when it first started. Because now I sit uh, on the board, vice um, chair there, uh, deputy chair there. It, when that organisation first started, it was it was parents and mm. uh, you know people that were just passionate about disability, but mainly parents that could see that things needed to change and things needed to happen for people with disabilities in WA. Mm. So it was a little bit like that at the beginning.
1: Yeah.
2: And given that Barcelona wasn't really the beginning, because the Paralympics actually started in 1960, but, you know, it was... It still had a long way to go. A long way to go. And compared to now, compared to, you know, my involvement in Tokyo, and and it's just next
1: level. It must be a a source of great pride for you to see how far it's come.
2: Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. And I must say, the coverage was so well done. Yeah. And it was and it was a distinct decision actually which is quite interesting and I didn't actually know this before I'd gone over. But it was a distinct decision that that they weren't going to look at having pe- commentators with disabilities as the ex- expert commentary and then um one of the executive producers and things just pushed it and said you need to have people with disabilities who are who've f- done the sport mm. just like we do with the Olympians you've got mm. Thorpe and all that that are actually commentating with you to tell you the that, that comments. They know mm. the athletes. And mm. so there was – and when we know disability and that type of thing, we can talk about the issues. And so it was such a good move that they did.
1: Let's fast forward just for a moment where you've thrown out chronological order right at the window know, here, Priya. So I um, <laughs> In the commentary booth, I mean, when you got to see uh, Ben Popham, uh, win his gold medal. <laughs> I wish we had the audio to play. At the moment, oh, no, don't. The excitement <laughs> level in your voice is off the charts. I and mean, When I asked you about you know, how proud you were to see how far the sport has come and the recognition that it now commands, I, I think that moment beautifully encapsulates that, doesn't it? I mean, obviously, oh. he's someone who's you know, he's a Perth boy and you've, you've known him for some time, but uh, a, a moment like that um, that must just stand out for you.
2: Oh, it was. I'm actually getting goosebumps even now, and getting yeah. like I start to get teary. I, I'm a bit emotional, but <laughs> it, it was really emotional, and it was the it was really quite funny because I was I was new to the whole full on commentary gig. I'd done a bit of bits and pieces, right? So yep. i had gone in there, and I I think I did three days rehearsal with Darren Boyd, who was magnificent, right? I'd never sat in a in a you know with a commentator and learned how to do it. And he was the best teacher and he was so generous with his, with his time and his knowledge. And I'd spent three days rehearsing. And I think at one point he went, oh, we could be in trouble here. But when it all started, and he did guarantee me that when it started, it you know, we sort of go with the flow. And I'd done the whole day, the whole first um, day and the whole first night. And Ben's race was the last race. And I just wanted it so badly for him <laughs> that i i wanted to almost jump through the screen <laughs> and make i was willing this boy on yeah and and it was just so close and yeah when it, when he touched the wall and then i realized i i literally just broke down I mean apart from the screaming i literally <laughs> broke down i've got glasses on so my ears, my, ears my my eyes are are welling up I ne- i'm fogged up i can't see on the screen, I'm trying to speak, and yeah, it was just a magical moment um, yeah. for me, just because of the closeness, I suppose, to, to him. And he yeah. trained up at Arena Joondalup, and there was that association. Uh, and he's just a lovely bloke, yeah. great guy. Um, but all of the, there were so many moments in that games that were just like really good to be part of. A yeah. per- and even uh, particularly the the pay parity, like the change that the, the social media pressure that changed Scott Morrison from saying, no, we're not going to pay the Paralympians for medals to we are, and it's going to be equal. Mm. That's a, That was a massive mm. social change.
1: Yeah. We need to take another break, Priya. After that, uh, life after swimming, and I should note as well that uh, you are also a member of the uh, Australian Sporting Hall of Fame, inducted by none other than uh, Dawn Fraser. So yeah. that's a story that uh, I'll get you to share as well. This is Inspiring Stories. Priya Cooper is our guest. Back with more after this.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Priya Cooper is our special guest in this episode, a Paralympic swimming champion and many other things. Um, Priya, you are married to a a fellow Paralympic swimmer, Hmm. Rodney. Yeah. Um, what's what's his story?
2: Um How did you meet? Well, we met um at through the Paralympics. Yeah. Um to cut a long story short. So you
1: were both representing Australia uh, well, at Barcelona.
2: And Atlanta. And Atlanta 96. Yeah. Yep. I didn't really know him much until Atlanta. Yeah. Um just because we were moving in the different cohorts and yeah. you know. But and he was not as kind of he wasn't as into it in Barcelona whereas mm. before by the time Atlanta came he was so he'd learnt, he was learning his craft and he'd really got into it, yep, um so he was really lo- loving it and and he had such a good knowledge of swimming because he's very much a a researcher and a, you know not that you think you have to research into swimming, but he he did he researched into it, hence why he then after Atlanta became a coach, yeah, and he was a brilliant coach because he just understands yeah how it all works yeah so but we met we met through sport um but he uh, got his injury later in life, so he lost his legs in the Air Force when he was about, I think it's 25. Right.
1: What, um, do you mind me asking what what, what happened?
2: Well, he was actually um, working on a plane because he's an airframe fitter, and engineer, uh-huh. and he was walking past the tyre and they were blowing up the tyres, or the tyre, I don't know. And back in those days, there was no uh, cage around the tyre. There is now, due to this. <laughs> and... It, it, the, it, the cut-off thing when you're inflating a tyre was not was faulty. Right. And so it just kept inflating, inflating, inflating until it exploded. And he was just literally walking past it. So very lucky to be alive.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, but massive, massive injury. But and, Both
1: legs above the knee.
2: Yeah. And, yep. and wouldn't survive unless you were on an Air Force base. Right. Because he, everything was right there. Yeah. So it was within seconds. I've actually spoken to the people that that came, the first responders that came and helped him and how it all happened. And, yeah, I mean, amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, d- tragic, obviously. Yeah. But turned it around and, and found swimming, was also encouraged by, by people to, to get involved in swimming mm. and, now, and then developed into his passion of coaching. And yeah. He's really more of an AFL boy. <laughs> and He'd rather be playing. I have. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> um, you guys started uh, a business uh, at one point many years ago. Success is a choice. Um, interesting name uh, for your motivational speaking business.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and is that the thrust of what you try to get across to an audience that success is a choice? And, and, and tell us what you mean by that.
2: Well, yes, it is. So my, I, I started um, developing my um, public speaking and my speeches that I that I talk. And success as a choice just came to me because I, I figured that having finding out that you have a disability or gaining a disability or however it all happens, and obviously I was born with mine, and when you're young, people are say, people quite often would be telling you all the things that are going to be difficult, all the things that you're not going to be able to do, you know, are you going to be able to get married? Are you going to be able to do this? You know, will will you ever have a job? All these aspects of of natural life that people were judging and saying, well, you, actually your choices might be very limited. And so when I then started swimming and had the success, I kind of went, well, actually it's my choice. It's my choice whether I choose to go down that path or I choose to actually say, do you know what? I'm going to have an extraordinary life. I actually don't care what you think and I'm going to make it happen. And so that, that was the gist of what I like to speak to an audience about is just um, having your, like your own destiny in your hands mm. and making those choices, even when some of the, sometimes they're really hard. And and one of the things we were talking about the other day was this imposter syndrome where, you, you, you know, there's these great opportunities, but you kind of hold back because you think, oh, I don't know if I'll be good enough. And, you know, I mean, I did that Um even with the swimming, I suppose I was like, "Oh, really? Do you think I'll be good enough?" And then with the commentary, and then, and then you start to realise that a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. And if we all kind of chat about it and come up with strategies, it really does help to to try to get over that.
1: Yeah. Who do you most like speaking to? What sort of groups do you resonate with the strongest?
2: I I really I've spoken to such diverse groups of people. I actually love all of them. Yeah. I do love kids. Yeah. Kids crack me up, yeah. and especially when they're real young ones, and it's it's challenging. It's more challenging to speak to the younger ones, even though I've only got my own kids, just then to speak to an audience of 300 minors or something. Yeah. Just because of you really have to tailor your speech. And I, I mean, I never forget speaking to Harry's class in kindy. They kind of drag us out every four years when the Olympics is coming up. So lots of, we do a lot of speaking. Yeah. Yeah. And they went, come and bring the torch and bring, you know, your medals. And, and I'm like, oh, my son is in this class. I'm so excited. My boy. <laughs> right. And it came to question time and he put his hand up and I thought, oh, this is my moment. And he put his hand up and he's just gone, what's in my lunch?
1: That, that was the question. <laughs> that <was> his question. <laughs>
2: and, and so it brings you, what what's quite funny is it brings you right back down to earth. So yeah, So really, really quickly. But yeah, I actually just, any I audience. I thought it was something good that day. Yeah, it was Poloni. Yeah. Oh, was, good. I did yeah. say Poloni, and he yeah. kind of did a little cheer. Yeah.
1: But
2: I, I, I really embrace an audience. An audience that I love is one that it kind of embraces your back. you back. Yeah. Know, there has been yeah. times where you've spoken to an audience and not getting anything and that's yeah. that's really difficult. Um. But for me at the moment, it's just so nice to be back out and it was very nerve-wracking getting back out after a long period of not speaking. Yeah. Um, but I just like to share my story and people quite often think, you know, they, they sort of might see the disability and, and go, oh, well, how do you deal with this in life? Mm. And I quite like to just mm. be a bit funny about it because you do get a lot of funny situations when you have a disability.
1: Do, do people get awkward with you?
2: In the audience?
1: Yeah, and asking your questions. Do they sometimes, uh, you know, because I suppose there is such such greater awareness now um, of disability in the community. But I think one of the byproducts of that is it can make people um, nervous about saying the wrong thing. Yeah. Asking a question the wrong way. I think... And possibly upsetting the person (laughs) or offending the person. You know, how do you you overcome that?
2: I think by the end of my speech, they pretty much know that they can... Probably ask me anything. (laughs) Um, But so we've sort of dealt with that, and I've probably gone and told them a whole bunch of various stories and how I've handled it and how I've thought about it. So they've got a bit of an idea of what I'm like. Um, And then, you know, quite often I'll say, you can ask me anything. I have had some quite interesting conversations, um, but nothing, you know, nothing too offensive.
1: Yeah. I'm not 100% PC (laughs) anyway. You can't be, can you?
2: <laughs> you got to have fun. It's, it's
1: yeah, it's uh, it's too much, too much to bear. You you have to have that 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 filter on at all times, don't you? Um, of all of the accolades that have been uh, afforded you uh, over the, the years, prior, I mentioned the Medal of the Order of Australia in 1993, an Australian Sports Medal in 2000. You're in the, the WA Hall of Champions. That was in 2006. Uh, Young Australian of the Year for Sport in 1999. Um, the list goes on, but the, the the sporting the Sport Australia Hall of Fame is, is that the big one? That was in twenty fifteen. You're only the fourth Paralympian to be inducted uh, yeah. into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. Does that really stand out for you? That one?
2: It does. It it, it really does because of the calibre of athlete.
1: Yeah.
2: Same with the WA Hall of Champions. Mm. Same calibre of athletes, and obviously just WA. But the Sports Australia Hall of Fame, I didn't really know that much about it. Um, but getting to know it, um, and then getting, being asked, like the phone call saying, we would like to put you in to the Sports Stray Hall of Fame. I'm kind of going, really? And then you look on the website and you see who the people are, you know, like Dawn Fraser and, you know, um, and you know, Don Bradman was one one of the fir- Dawn and Don were kind of the yeah. first ones. And you, uh, you kind of pinch yourself, you kind of go me? <laughs> Are you sure?
1: I mean, you're in pre- pretty elite, incredible company there, aren't you? And, and speaking of Dawn, Dawn kind of gave you the honor, didn't she? The, yeah. the, 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 the night. I've seen the video of it, It looks like there's a little conversation between the two of you. Do you remember what she said?
2: No, I don't actually. No. But I, I do know her quite well yeah. and I've spent a lot of time over the years with her from when I was swimming to then afterwards and through different teams. And I just yeah. love her. I yeah. just absolutely love her. And, but so to have Dawn Fraser, you know, you kind of still just go, wow. To have Dawn Fraser presenting my induction mm. was extremely, you know, she's just, she's like royalty. It's like the queen giving you, you know, something. Mm. It it was just so phenomenal. Yeah. I now have a number on my phone, which is so. <laughs> um, but she's such a generous person. Like yeah. she's so generous. And I think she was just. Probably just saying that she was really, really proud of me, and she's a great supporter of Paralympians. Yeah, she's an absolute advocate for Paralympians.
1: Yeah. Um. Just before we go to another break, all of the medals and whatnot that you've acquired over the years are they tucked away in a drawer? Have you got them on display at mm-hmm. home? Even know where they are?
2: I know where some of them are. Yeah. Uh, no, they're not. They're not um, displayed or anything like that. They're, they're in a safe spot. Yeah. But I keep my Sydney ones handy. Because I do like, when I do speaking, I do, especially at schools, because yep. the kids absolutely love they them. They love a prop. Long, yeah, they love a prop. And if you're really, really bad, you just pull them out yep. and go, knock yourself out. Just yep. in, don't pass literally around, knock yourself out because <laughs> they, they are heavy. But, you know, just pass them around. But people, all audiences where I go, they they love to, you know, and I don't have, I don't mind. Well, it feels
1: they, like you're, you've, you've got a piece of history in your hand. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so I, I love sharing them around. I don't take the whole lot of medals around. But I do take the Sydney ones just so that people can... And it's a special place, obviously, in Australia to have a Sydney medal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Priya, let's take another break. More of your story right after this. Priya Cooper is our special guest on Inspiring Stories. Back with more in a moment.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Priya Cooper, Paralympic champion uh, and great to advocate for uh, disability uh, sports and just general participation across uh, all areas of our community. Um, You sit on a number of of boards um, and have uh, had associations with different charities over many years. Priya, you must be in big demand.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know about that. But I do, but I've always, um, I've, I started on my first board just after I finished swimming. Yeah. Um, I'd moved back to Perth by that point, And uh, Edge Employment Solutions actually uh, yep. said, you know, I'd had an association with them and they said, you know, would you like to come on our board? And at that point, I didn't really know what that meant. Um, so I spent a lot of time with them. They were very generous with their time and they, I learned... An amazing amount there about governance and how how this all works, and since then I've and have you figured that out yet? Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting much better at it. <laughs> the AICD course did help, yeah. um, but I've I've gone th- through a few different boards over the time over the time, and now I sit on four: um, Ability WA, um, Disability Service Commission, um, Venues West, and, and WA Disabled Sports Association. Um, and I'm just, they're all boards that I am passionate about. Yeah. I, I, I can't really get into something unless I'm really passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've learned a lot over the time. So it's become kind of my career yep. uh, after swimming yep. and, uh, and, and all of those boards, are very much, um, in giving back as well, yep. giving back to people, giving back to community, and you know, really making a difference yeah. to, to the WA environment, which yeah. is where I'm very comfortable. Do, what I'm very comfortable doing, um, and it goes alongside really well with the speaking and and, yeah. and that side of things. Uh, and I get to I get to be part of making changes. Yeah, you know, I was just here um, opening the rooftop walk, which is fully accessible, and and. Things like that, that wouldn't have happened back in my time, Mm. where there wouldn't have been access, but now there is access, because people are thinking differently about people with disabilities and what they need to to do to achieve in their lives.
1: Mm. Have you done the rooftop tour yourself then?
2: Well, I did. I went up there on the- It's high, isn't it? (laughs) It's very high. I didn't go out on the- the little bit where you walk out over oh, the... the oh, over- um,
1: the, the, the beer can or whatever they call it. The, yeah, the, the little overhang?
2: Yeah. Yeah, no. Where I you go out either. and you have yep. fully harnessed. Yeah,
1: no. I, I didn't not, do no that, thanks.
2: but um, <laughs> yes, I and apparently you can actually watch the game from over one side, but the fact that I could go up there and it was accessible and so many people, I do know some people that have done it already, yep. uh, the fact that they had to harness my chair and my body... I was like, oh, I'm a bit scared, and I'm petrified of heights, so <laughs> but but it's those um things it's it's like the the pay parody that came out of the Paralympic Games. it's all these um these changes that people are realising that need to happen, mm. and for me it's it's not really about me because um probably it has been, but it's for my son because yeah. he's going to grow up in this environment, and I want him to understand, and I want people to understand him. He can achieve anything.
1: Yeah, so you've got extra motivation as a I've as a got, mum. Yeah, well. I've got
2: extra motivation. That yeah. always gives you much more motivation. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Um, and in terms of, of 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 providing opportunities and and support uh, for people who do have a disability, whatever that may be, uh, where are the the biggest areas that we still have to focus on? Do you think? I mean, we've had some appalling submissions to the uh, Royal Commission, for instance. Um, so there's still some way to go.
0: Or oh, there's in yes. some areas.
1: There's of, still a of, lot. Of
2: uh, yeah, I would say there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Yes, we have.
1: What's the focus? W- we've
2: changed. Then for you? Um, the, oh, there's there's so many areas that you can that you can hear stories and and you know, but the state disability strategy that we, that's been put out of um, Department of Communities. It's it's a it's a framework of how we can change the community because you can have all the access that you like. Mm but if people's attitudes and understanding and um, you know general outlook on disability doesn't change then it's not it's you're still going to have the same experiences so it's it's a, it's a it's a collaboration of change that needs to happen i think um and and knowledge and so i'm very excited that we're actually part of working on that yeah and then i th- i think it really takes um a big government push, I suppose, to to say this is this is what we need, and we're going to really focus on it.
1: Yeah. How do you do it though? You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's a complicated challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Very complicated, and, and it's all encompassing. It's it?
2: all encompassing because you know. You can you can say, well, I can get onto the rooftop and yep. I can do this and I can do that, but if...
1: And if, you can have parity for Paralympians every four years, but, you know, not everyone not, with a disability is a, is, is a Paralympian. Is a Paralympian. So the day-to-day... And,
2: and we need to look at... I mean, you need to look at isu- there's uh, issues of housing, yeah Employment. employment. Uh, and, and one of the things that I, th- I think it was one of the catch guys out of the Paralympics anyway, but and I just love it, is you can't be what you can't see. And because it covers a whole lot of... Um, aspects of a person's life that has any difference at all, whether it's Indigenous or, you know, Mm. people with disabilities. If we're not seen, if we're not seen doing everyday things, you know, out in the community, accessing things that you access, then how do we expect that there's going to be any change? And if we don't see us in movies or commercials or just as anyone else... (laughs) then people with disabilities won't even aspire to, to be something else yep. or to, to achieve something. So there's, there's so many changes and it will take time and we have come a fair way, but there's so many changes that, that need to happen for that. Yep. And, yep. and then that will, I think, um, eventually really change people's awareness but also people's attitude towards it. We still come across, you know, come up against interesting attitudes. And I'm a very functioning member of the community. So I, you know, so if if you did struggle, Mm. then I could imagine it would be even worse. Yeah. And, you know, the day-to-day challenges.
1: Yeah. Uh, Not that I'm calling your retirement or anything anytime soon, Priya, (laughs) but in your working life, what would you like to be able to hang your hat on? What would you like your legacy to be? Oh. After, you know, the rest of your professional life, I suppose, as being a, 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 for want of a better phrase, a professional advocate.
2: Oh. Curly question at the end. (laughs) Um, I I just, yeah, I think I'm seeing it. Yeah. it's the it's the things that I've I've seen over time that are changing. But to really have an Australian community, a WA community that is just embracing of people of all abilities, no matter what your disability, what level of your disability, and I learnt that through you know, something like even through WA to Sports where we've got high, high support needs individuals that you would never think would get the same feeling of playing, like, let's say, for example, a game of basketball. And no, they can't move any of their limbs, but they can blow into a switch. And that can send off the same kind of basketball hoops and, mm. you know, all the stimulation that you get from going for a run. So there's, you just have to think differently. I know that was a bit of a random story, but you just have to think differently to to really go, well, do I really have to do it this way? Actually, if we did it this way, you'd you'd achieve the same result and you'd get a better outcome for the person with disability.
1: Priya, you've been a champion athlete and a champion advocate. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. Thanks, Tim. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6 br Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.